Hello and welcome to another episode of Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight. We are the Retro Talk Show where we just discuss everything and most everything having to do with the baby boomer memories, history, uh, things that we recall growing up and, and to some degree things that our parents and to some degree our grandparents recall growing up. Uh, I am Mike. I'm Smitty. I'm George. I am Mike Z. Mike Z, you're beautiful looking at, looking at you over there. You have the holiday charm on your face. No, no, you don't have, wait a second, hold on, I have the white on your face. Okay, that's sweat because you make <laughs> me feel like an old man because you make me, I'm forgetting things I thought I knew, but don't, I haven't forgotten tonight's topic, so don't worry about that. I have it right, I sound like Rush Limbaugh. I have it right in front of me, people. <laughs> oh. Yes. Complete with sound effects. I can't believe what the Washington Post printed today. Here it is. Oh. As you can tell, we're all in the holiday spirit. Yes. We haven't even got to the eggnog yet. It oh. is holiday season 2012, and we are just so happy to be here and to present this show and share some memories with you. Uh, holiday season, the, the air is getting a little nippier, the frost has on the pumpkin, so to speak. Mike Z has got his uh, overcoat and his galoshes and his big floppy winter hat with the flaps that come down and button up, and uh, he's looking good, although here in San Diego, it's about 87 degrees on end. Yeah, but it's going to drop down to 60, and the windshield's going to make it like 58. I'm ready, man. That's okay, but when they pick you up in the panel truck, Mike, we'll send you Snickers bars uh, while they observe... What makes a Mike Z go in the winter? Left over from trick-or-treat. Yes. <laughs> Not to mention holiday turkey carb shock. They were free, and they're almost deductible. So. That's right. <laughs> Write it all off. <laughs> Talk to my CPA. I got a guy who handles this. Anyway, we again, we'd like to thank you here. It's an exciting time of year for us because it really triggers a lot of memories for when we were growing up, and we hope it'll bring back a lot of memories when you're growing up, especially you baby boomers out there who really do so much to support our shows. We're nearing uh, show 100 very quickly. and Our next show is show 100. Yes, and what a perfect time of year to, to do a centennial. We've got uh, the holidays coming up. We're kicking off New Year 2013. We're going to have some great stuff on the 2013 season. But back to this holiday season, and we are going to turn it over to our good friend Mike Z, who's going to talk to us a little bit about the Macy's Day Parade. Were you there? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I never actually went to the Macy's Day Parade, but being an East Coaster and a New Yorker, I know it falls upon my broad shoulders to uh, to cover anything that has to do with that type of stuff. And Boy, this covers yeah. this covers a lot of ground. It specifically covers six miles from 145th Street in Harlem to Herald Square. But, yeah, this was something that started off as a New York tradition way back in 1924. Now, I know everyone sees it on TV. We, it's broadcast nationally, but this year, 2013, 12, 13, represents the 86th year of the Macy's Parade. And it started with the employees who worked at Macy's uh, back around Christmas time in 1924. And they decided that they were going to have a little celebration between Christmas and Thanksgiving, right around that time. It actually wasn't officially a Thanksgiving Day Parade until about 1927. And... We, of course, know this parade as one of floats and the big, huge balloons of cartoon characters and Santa Claus at the end. And it really is a New York tradition. And the very first thing that we have to talk about, of course, are the big balloons, the big balloons of all the cartoon characters. The very first one, of course, was Felix the Cat. But it was the fine folks at the Goodyear Rubber Company that started making those balloons in 1927. And the parade very quickly became extremely popular. It just became an event that everyone looked forward to 
in New York, and it finally made it to the radio from 1932 to 1941. It was broadcast on the radio, of course. I think also on the network. It's not clear. Gilbert, do you know for sure if that made it to network radio or was it just local radio? Mike, I'm, th- Mike I'm not sure, but I would venture to say that it probably made network because that was something special for Thanksgiving Day. And, it sure uh, was. Yeah. And NBC being headquartered in New York, I'm sure yes. it made it there. And then, of course, for a few years during the war, the parade was not broadcast. It is unclear if the parade took place. I believe it did, but it just was not broadcast. And then from 1945 through 51, it was back on the air. Oh, and and sure enough, yes, my notes do indicate, I should have noticed this, that it was because of the shortage of helium and because they wanted to conserve rubber that I believe that it was canceled during World War II. Everyone knows that the that it was used in the film Miracle on 34th Street, 1947, which really took place around it. A lot of people don't know or don't remember, unless you're a big Woody Allen fan, that the film uh, Broadway Danny Rose also has a few scenes in the big warehouse where the balloons are being stored. There's a gunfight. The helium is being reduced, is being released. And everyone starts talking like this because the helium is in the air. <laughs> it was always about three hours long. However, it was first broadcast on television in 1939, same year as ah, the World's Fair. Interesting. And interesting. Uh, speaking of now, we bring radio sight to sound. Well, it wasn't just the World's Fair. The Mace, It was probably must be the first parade ever to be televised on television. And then it was regularly broadcast on TV starting in 1948. 1948 was the first TV broadcast of the, of the uh, parade. And black and white, of course, until 1960. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about who the hosts were and so on. But before I dive into this, I want to know... You guys, do you, you know, what are your memories of this parade? Because I'll tell you the truth. I remember seeing it as a kid on TV. I mean, we lived in the Bronx. It would have been a major trip to go down to Manhattan and park. It would have been doable. Uh, what about you guys being West Coasters and you, George? You know, what are your memories of this event? Well, of course, because of the three-hour time difference, I remember this is the way that Thanksgiving was officially kicked off. Mm-hmm. I remember that here in the West Coast, uh, we would get up early in the morning, and by 9 a.m., we were sitting in front of our television sets, uh, you know, eating our breakfast and enjoying uh, the wonderful Macy's Parade, which, of course, as you noted, culminated with Santa Claus. So you didn't get it off tape? You didn't get it delayed? You got it live? We got it live. Oh, okay. Because usually, I, as I recall, or at least I remember it being live, it came. It was broadcast early in the morning on Thanksgiving right. that, that we were able to watch it about 8.30 or 9 o'clock. And then following that, of course, were the uh, football games uh, that, that were always shown on that on that day as well. So we always regarded it as a time to to get the uh, the Thanksgiving season started. Mom was busy in the kitchen fixing oh. the turkey oh. while we were parked in front of the TV set. I recall in L.A. too, George, that the Macy's Day Parade was the big NBC event. You, Thanksgiving Day, officially, in my mind, I remember getting up on Thanksgiving morning, my mom... And Dad had the Macy's Day Parade on the TV. Of course, it was in black and white in the early 60s. Yes. And I believe it was 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. Now, Macy's Day, traditionally, all their parades have started at 9 a.m. Eastern. That's w- In doing research, that's when they start. So if it was broadcast live, it would be between 6 and 9 a.m. But I recall the smells. You know, my mom had put oh, the turkey yes. in. Oh, she yes. was cutting up the onions for the stuffing. In our case, we had other things. We had ethnic dishes, and I can remember the smells of though the saffron and the garlic and, and just the things in it. It smelled like holiday. Yes. 
It was an integral part of the holiday yes. season. Macy's Day Parade, even though as you, you, it might have been thousands of miles away, it was a part yes. of the Thanksgiving celebration. It, it, and it was entertainment. And as a young kid, I remember, of course, the blimps, the balloons. Mm-hmm. And those were amazing where people were carrying them and they were tethered. And they, here comes Porky Pig or Smokey Bear or one of them. And you remember that. Bullwinkle. And, Bullwinkle, yeah. And, uh, oh, oh, uh, oh. Underdog. Underdog. That's Underdog, the one yeah. I was thinking of. Yep. I, I think Charlie Brown and Lucy, I think, are part of it, too. Snoopy. Uh, Snoopy, yes, exactly. There, there were a few occasions when some of those balloons got away. They, they were other <laughs> yeah. regu- they, Later on, they made them fly the balloons lower, especially in rough weather. There were a few cases where some of those balloons got away and did some damage, and a few people wow. were injured. But fortunately, that was very rare. It wow. became a mark of distinction when an when a, a, a animated character would make it to the Macy's Day Parade. Yep. I remember that we had recently discussed in a previous program about the Simpsons with their 500th episode. Well, Bart Simpson arrived when he became one of the floats at the Macy's Day Parade. It was part of of, of mainstream animation because at the time, Bart was sort of regarded as an edgy type of character on the fringes. But once you're part of the Macy's Parade, uh, it's regarded as being part of uh, American pop culture in the mainstream. That's my recollection, too, very similar. I remember getting up, you know, Thanksgiving morning, and my mom and dad would have the... uh, the parade on television, and my mom was already in the kitchen cooking and getting the turkey ready. And again, George, you said, George and Mike, what you guys said, the, the smells, the, the, the holiday smells, yep. the cooking, the, you know, kind of a special day. Mom was in the kitchen. You knew, you know, it was, it was really it's special. A big, a big deal, exactly. And uh, the parade was always on. Definitely a special time of the year. Well, it was always a big event in New York. On the average, about three, three and a half million people, they say, turn out for it. But they say about 50 million people at least see it on TV. And now, do any of you guys remember, I have to admit, I didn't remember this. I had to research. But do you remember who the hosts were for about 10 years through the golden years? One was known from a huge TV show, Western-type TV show. Lauren Green. Lauren Green. 1962 through 1971, Lauren Green and Betty White. You know, Mike, funny you bring that up because in my earliest memories, I remember Dave Garraway. Now, did he do one or am I out of context here? He might have. That would have been before my time. Garraway was, of course, with NBC. It's entirely logical that he could have done that. Today's show, he'd just walk outside outside 30 Rock and, and... Cover it. But we'll research that. that. Actually, yeah. yeah, it shows it right here. He was ah. he uh, hosted it until 1961, so that is an early memory for me. Uh-huh. That really is. I was Very. only a couple years old. Followed by Betty White, so you were right. Followed by Lauren Green. Wow. I think that it's interesting, though, that this parade uh, has certainly become immortalized in classic film with as you noted, the 1947 film Miracle on 34th Street, because there's a very young Natalie Wood featured in that role. Yep. And then, of course, Edmund Gwynn, who played the part of Santa Claus. And what I think was so special about that is, that, and I noted in later years in Los Angeles, uh, and I think we actually we owe this to Ted Turner uh, when TBS went national, that it became a tradition for a number of years during the 1980s to always show Miracle on 34th mm-hmm. Street on Thanksgiving Day. And they aired it several times. And then later they did it both in the original black and white version and then later a colorized, well, a colorized version. version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what was so interesting about that was that the, the movie and its content embodies the religious aspect, the spiritual aspect that we associate with Thanksgiving, with Christmas. And so it really was a way to kick off the the holiday season. And I think that the Macy's Day Parade is sort of part of... Uh, 
you know, a, a, a cultural landmark. You say, up the, the holiday season yep. has officially begun. And then, of course, in the movie, they reference that the next day, shoppers, there's Black Friday. Well, yeah. I, I think it was a whole pitch for shopping. I think the Macy's, uh, what uh-huh. better timing, the day after is Black Friday, and Macy's, they're no fools. Uh, you got Macy's on the mind Absolutely. after Thanksgiving. You know, and George, because we were West Coast guys, and of course Mike Z always kicks us off with the East Coast, we had our own little version. It was called the uh, Santa Claus Lane Parade, now known as the In Hollywood, Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood Christmas Parade. Did your dad and did your dad ever take you to one of those? We went to that, and, uh-huh. what I, and what I remember was that for years... You would always see Bob Wagner and Natalie yeah. Wood uh, either as the Grand Marshals or they were there uh, to help get things kicked off. But I do recall that. I think it was on Wednesday evening, the night before The night before Thanksgiving, you yes. would have the Hollywood. And that would be live. And, and would be on KTLA, live. Stan Chambers was out in the street talking to everybody. Hey, as a float went by, hey, you know what? There's a... Whoever well, it was at the time, I know way back. I mean, on our block, on our block, Fairmount Road in Burbank, California, our next door neighbors had a dog by the name of Pleasant. He was an American, or excuse me, an English bulldog. He was the mascot for our high school, Burbank High. And Pleasant was featured in the Santa Claus Lane Parade. Oh, wow. And he was walking along that, uh, that distance there. And we thought we should have flown him to Macy's because he's a star. He's a Hollywood star now. Well, that was just that. That was a huge event, even for LA guys, because it was the Hollywood, and they had a lot of the Hollywood actors who would come down out of the hills and either attend or they would be riding in the splashy convertibles as part of the parade. Didn't George Putnam also the newscaster? Or was that just in the Rose Parade that he would ride the horses? Well, George Putnam, they had a guy Monty Montana. Yes, Remember, of he was always on the, of course, the Rose Parades, but. You know, the listeners out there, especially all my Facebook followers who I thank and value from Eagle Rock High School, God bless you, class of 1971, but you'll remember Monty Montana coming to Eagle Rock back in the 60s and 70s. Each community had their own little mini version of a parade, and it was usually thrown by the Chamber of Commerce, of course, to promote holiday shopping. But uh, Monty Montana, you had George Putnam, like you say, George, he was on his horse and it had all the bling on it and he was dressed up the high sheriff of los angeles uh, gene biscalu uh, it was all cowboys uh leo carrillo yes jay yes. carroll nash they yes. would all get out there and during the holiday time uh, roy rogers dale evans actually hosted one of the holiday i lane think parades. in in part what this showed is that the, the macy's day parade was has always been regarded as the gold standard that's the standard and 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 as the standard of excellence it inspires other cities around the country to create their own traditions based upon the tradition of excellence that has been inspired by the macy's parade well, you know, we talk, and to wrap this up, we just talk about Thanksgiving Day and, of course, the Detroit Lions football game, and you'd have your cousins over and your uncles, and you'd go out in the front yard, throw the football around. It kicked off the holiday feeling, the holiday spirit, and we just wanted to bring that to you, East Coast, West Coast. But, uh, gee whiz, that just brings back some memories. How lucky we all were to enjoy that, to enjoy those yeah. holidays, yes. the smell of the food, the family. Yes, yes and pass wonderful. those down Well, since others. we've been talking about food, I think it's about time for us to take a little coffee break here. So with that, we're going to toss it to our retro commercial and enjoy a nice cup of Folgers coffee. No more coffee for Mike Z. Harold, is the coffee all right? Mm-mm. You mean it's as bad as yesterday? No improvement at all? Mm-mm. Harold, don't just shake your head. You've got to tell me what's wrong with the coffee. Bad taste. 
now. What am I going to do? So, Mary, hi. Hello, Jane. Well, listen, help me out, will you? Harold hates my coffee. What kind do you use? Instant Folgers. Instant Folgers? Tastes good as fresh perked. Good as fresh perked? I'll try it. Jean, this coffee is delicious. Do you know that? Mm-hmm. It's not the same kind we've been using, is it? Mm-mm. Don't just shake your head. Explain why the coffee's so good. Good taste. Tastes good as fresh perked. Instant Folgers. Okay, we're having fun with... Welcome back to Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside here on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. We're all with you. And uh, we're going to turn it over to Mike Z, who's going to talk to us about TV sign-ons and sign-offs, but mostly sign-ons. Mike, what's all that about? Well, I'll tell you what. Welcome to our broadcast day here on the Galaxy Moonbeam Show. We transmit on a sign frequency of 158 megahertz at 52,000 watts radiated power. Actually, you know, if once again, I know this phrase gets used so often around here that if I had a buck for every time I used it, I would still have nothing because I don't get paid. But... Oh, there was a time, you know, there was a time when TV stations did not broadcast round the clock. Most TV stations went off the air, oh, maybe sometime early in the morning, midnight, 1, 2 a.m., and signed back on maybe around 6 o'clock. Now, we know today that those dead hours are used for atrocious infomercials. Thank God this hasn't gone into the radio business, just as television, you know, but atrocious infomercials and so on, but... You would turn on your TV, oh, maybe 5 o'clock in the morning or so, and there would be snow, or may- and then all of a sudden a test pattern would come up, often with an Indian head, sometimes with a crosshatch pattern on there, and then maybe a test tone. Doop. Maybe the, let's see, the, some jets flying by, always the American flag, maybe some patriotic song like the, the National, National Anthem in the yeah. background, and some announcer, very stiff announcer, would come on and say, you know, welcome to our broadcast day on WNEW television, and there you'd go. That's how the broadcast day would start. Maybe it ran 30 seconds. I don't even think most of them ran about a minute. And that was called the sign-on. Now, that was done at radio stations, too. Any radio station that did not operate 24 hours a day had did sign-on and sign-off. But today we're going to talk about TV stations, sign-on and sign-offs. And I can't jeopardize this because my buddy Gilbert here is splitting at the seams and he's about to bust. Go ahead. You'll feel better. Let it out. I'll Gilbert. feel better. Well, I was just going to say, Mike, you know, you and I previewed this a few days ago when we talked about it. But I remember as little kid getting up specifically early in the morning to watch the station sign on they had that test pattern was just almost hypnotic to just see it there with all the wedges and the shapes yes. and the circles and everything. This is, was this, this is not color bars. No. This was the standard this is, this Indian standard, head test pattern. An Indian head one or the one that had the uh, wedges. Oh, that, the yeah. resolution wedges. The resolution the 300, wedges. 300, 400, 500 exactly. lines. Yep. And I remember specifically here in San Diego watching Channel 10 sign on the air, which at that time was KOGO TV, and they would have a rather elaborate, you know, you mentioned that it was short. They had a rather elaborate sign on. They would say, you know, good morning, this is KOGO TV channel 10 we operate on a frequency of so and so they would I believe they did the national anthem then they would go to a film like a devotional film Yes, and you're right. Yes. Some stations did a, few, a little inspirational uh, word inspirational from the Bible. Word, exactly, right. And I remember one that still haunts me to this day that I remember was of a bottle floating in on the tide and it had some kind of a of a message inside and there's you know music playing in the background and then the words that were in the bottle are are put on the screen some sort of a non-denominational wow. prayer or something that just haunts me to this day if anybody knows what that was all about mike uh, uh, Bragg? i have it it was 
the title of that series was called Daily Devotional. Is that what that was? The bottle would wash in on the yes. fo- on the foamy tide yes. and run aground on the sand, and there was a message in it as they would fade to the message. And it was called Daily Devotional. We had that in L.A. That was actually the sign-on. That, wow. that was the sign-on for uh, KNX on cha- was it Channel 2 KNX. Mm-hmm. And actually there was a controversy for a while as I did some research on that because KNX ran it. They, they did not run it because of religious gratifications. They ran it. Because it was free, it was sent to all the major uh-huh. stations. Uh-huh. I think it was sent. It must have been owned by Salem Communications. It was, uh. <laughs> yeah. it was sent by, I believe, the Presbyterian Church or okay. maybe the Lutheran Church. However, the controversy was KNX tried to use it as the the FCC back in the day made you do programming that was community or community benefit related. I think you had to run what thirty minutes a day something or, or like something that. like yeah. that. Yeah. So KNX tried to say. Well, this is our contrib- This is what we're doing for community, so they could sell the other time for money, exactly. and it didn't work. They were shot down by FCC. I seem to recall there was something titled "High Flight," in which you were watching usually a, a fighter plane, a U.S. fighter plane that yeah. would be doing all kinds of uh, stunt flying and high-level work, and then there was reading this poem titled "High Flight," and it concludes with touching the face of God. Yes. And what I what I remember, however, is that I don't recall specifically, was that a sign-in or a sign-off, or was that something that was just interjected at different times of the day? I seem to recall seeing it for the first time as either a sign-in or a sign-off. Well, George, it's funny you mentioned that because we mentioned Daily Devotionals. That was NBC, KNBC's sign-in, Channel 4. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Then you'd have a guy by the name of Lee Giroux come up with the news. It was it was high flight. It was the jets. They were Air Force. They were well orchestrated. Yes. Well executed. Like I think it was the, the Thunderbirds. Blue, the Thunderbirds. I think it was before the Blue Angels, but you're absolutely right. They would write in the sky with the steam and then they would fade to the message for the day. Yes, and I remember good recollection there. Wow. Thank yeah. you. And I and, and what I remember was that I had forgotten about that until you just mentioned that. But also that poem I believe was delivered by President Ronald Reagan at the memorial mm-hmm. service for the Space Shuttle Challenger astronauts mm-hmm. who perished in the explosion mm-hmm. about touching the face of God. Yes, yes, you're right. You're right. And so this so this actually started out as a sign in. There was a sign in for NBC and how it came to be well KNBC, it was not a network, it was local. That's how, why I saw it then in Los Angeles. KNBC they I don't know if you remember a very, very Way back, way back, a KNBC news guy was a guy by the name of Jack Latham. Of course. He was a member of our family, it seemed like. Almost a member of the family. That's when newscasters were invited into your home. Exactly. They were part of the family. They were friends. Yes, we liked him very much. We talked with Larry Van Nuys way back, and it was, your news guy was the guy. Jerry Dunphy had the same following, but Jack Latham, he was a retired Army Air Corps, World War II vet. Yes. And he had found this because he was in a church organization related to the military, and he brought it in. And then right after the morning uh, weather report, you would get Jack Latham with the morning news, and he'd come back that night. That's when your anchors work morning and night. Mm -hmm. I'll be back at 5 o'clock after I get some sleep. 
But yeah, good point and good recollection there, George. Yeah, excellent recollections by everybody. And I remember, you know, getting back to the Channel Ten sign up. It was, you know, after they did this daily devotional piece, they would then come back and they had the good broadcaster seal yes. or That's something. That's right, the good housekeeping seal of approval. NAV, yes. something around yes, exactly right. And then they would launch into, I believe, either a farm report or yeah. some sort of a public service program. And, of course, I was waiting for the cartoons to come on yeah. at 6.30 or 7 or whatever. And so. being an aviation buff, I loved I loved just watching the planes. But yeah. then, of course, now being a member of the ordained clergy, I, I'm always inspired by that poem, High Flight. There was a lot of uh, religious influence in L.A. television in the 50s and 60s. I don't say religion dominated or anyone denomination, but you remember uh, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Magnet. Yes. Uh, he had a huge column every other day in the Herald Examiner, but he did not write under the role of a Jewish rabbi. He wrote under the type of a humanitarian, and a lot of people, he was non-denominational, and a lot of people read his, from Greek Orthodox to Catholic to Presbyterian, Don't he was a community Carol leader. Hemingway's of program course, Carol Hemingway, Religion Dennis, on the Line. Religion on the Line, KBC, and Dennis Prager handled that for a while. He's still yes, on the air, but Carol Hemingway, thing. sure. Very nice. KBC Sunday night, you had three hours of religious programming. But what a unique time, Mike, when, as you're saying, the stations went off the air. They would totally go off the air. There was not a bunch of infomercial garbage overnight. And it was, I mean, I look forward, as a little kid, I look forward. And I think as late as the early 80s, I remember getting up and watching Channel 8 sign on, and they had their task pad, Channel 8 here in San Diego. And... uh, well, I'm thinking, I worked at Channel 39 for a while, yes, around the mid-80s, did. and I'm pretty sure that we did a sign-on and a sign-off, and I seem to recall something about the jet planes going by. Mm-hmm. Um, I know one thing for sure, and we might have mentioned this one time before, that's when, if you had a black and white, well, just about everybody had a black and white or a tube television, realistically, way up into the 1970s. And that's when people would twiddle their sets to adjust the horizontal yes. size and the linearity, and the reason that people would take a plate, a pie plate, off their kitchen table, <laughs> put that on the circle on front of the TV, and that's how you would adjust the linearity so that the heads weren't all stretched out or everybody didn't look like they were really wide. And that's what that test pattern was for. Uh, And then color bars later on and so on. But yeah, that was an integral part of radio and uh, of television and radio. I mean, I worked at a radio Mm -hmm. station, small station in New York uh, back in the early 80s, late 70s, and uh, we did a sign-on and a sign-off, and I was telling you about this a, a few days ago. Our sign-off was, don't ask me why, they played the theme from The Godfather, and the guy who was the owner of the station would come on with a voice like this and said, you are listening to WGRCAM 1300, City of License, Spring Valley. We must conclude our broadcast day now, because they were a daytime station only. And then that was it. That was the sign-off. But most stations now, radio and TV, they try to stay on around the clock, watch programming the most unwatchable and unlistenable drecks and times, but oh. they, if they could sell that time for a dollar, oh, they'll absolutely. sell it. Absolutely. You know? well, yeah. so that's gone what, largely I today. think what's funny about that is that how this sign-in became such an integral part of our culture in remembrance of watching TV, because you remember the classic sci-fi TV series, The Outer Limits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, I think, I, as I recall, that the sign-in used to have some of those same elements that you described about controlling yes. the TV, the yeah, It went down to a horizontal line, then a vertical line. Yes. And we control the horizontal, and we control the vertical. Yeah, right. and, that's, and that, to me, was a, a great sign-in, although it was a sign-in for a TV show, not for a, a TV network. Okay, maybe not an earth-shaking topic, but you know what? Nowhere else will you hear a group of, you know, four intelligent guys discuss TV sign-ons and sign-offs, except on the Galaxy Moonbeam show, and I'm glad to make my little contribution. Well, Mike, thank you. That and was a good piece. Yeah, was, and Mike Z brought this topic up to our 
attention several months ago, and I said, you know what, I remember that, and I bet you a lot of people who are listening remember we, that. You know what, Smitty, why don't we put a few of these test patterns for the youngsters Ooh, who have sure. probably no clue yes. what we're talking about. Yes. Uh, we're going to put those, and maybe we'll put a, a photo of the color bar. That sounds good to me because we do have a lot of uh, younger listeners who learn from us, so we'll definitely George, do that. remember KTLA's, their test pattern was actually a picture of uh, Mount Wilson. Oh. That's with right. The with the, with been, the right? transmitter. And with, what I with remember, the lightning bolts over the top. Mike, I've got to tell you, do you remember our, our wonderful program that we did on smog alerts? Oh. What I re- remember saying was that smog was so bad uh, in, in Los Angeles that the only way you were going to be able to see it was on that, uh, that sign <laughs> yeah. sign-off that you just yeah. referred to. And then, of course, the variation, and we'll wrap this up really quick. The variation on the test pattern was the one with the words, please stand by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Many many times we have a picture of a guy digging into a camera or yes. something like that. We're having technical difficulties. Please, please stand, stand by. by. And then you'd hear the you know Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass in the background. As, as a closing thought to that, when I was a little kid and I would see that, I wondered, did that mean they wanted us to walk next to the TV set and stand, stand by, by it? Well, yeah. please, please stand Not by. Not sit by, no. yeah. stand by. Please stand by went up for anything. Oh, yeah. yes. And then you had the entry on the TV guide, a show when they had nowhere programming and they needed to put something, it was called To Be Announced. TBA, To Be TBA, Announced. It was to be announced. T- yeah, To Be Announced. I thought, oh, that's an interesting show. Who's starring in that? And then the blood-curdling one was always when you get the pop-up with the test pattern that said, News Bulletin. Oh, oh yes. yeah, that's that was yes. We interrupt this broadcast. Yes. Oh, yes. Well, you know what? Great, great memories. And uh, Mike Z, thanks for headlining that topic for us. You know we're just about out of time, but we do want to uh, remind you that we would love to hear from you. We're always open to your letters, comments, ideas, suggestions. You can write us. Our email address is galaxymoonbeamnightside at gmail.com, galaxymoonbeamnightside at gmail.com. Our website is galaxymoonbeamnightsite.com. And don't forget, we do have a Facebook page, Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsite page on Facebook. You do not have to be a member of Facebook to see our Facebook page. It is a public page. So if you're not really a Facebook fan, you're most definitely still welcome to come by and check it out. That's all the time we have on today's show. We sure thank you for joining us. I'm Smitty. I'm Mike. I'm George. I'm Mike Z. And that concludes our broadcast day on the Galaxy Moonbeam Show. And as we fade to black, we wish, we wish you all good night. Oh, my, I got a feeling. Thank <laughs> you.